Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Living It Up podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this episode, we will talk about a relatively slow week inside the ropes with Cam Smith winning for the third time hit the Australian PGA down under. We'll also dive into one of our great golf debates, and then we're going to preview what was shaping up to be the month of Tiger Woods, perhaps now the month of Tiger Woods riding in golf carts. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction, the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. You know you need some gear to better manage the elements, so head to zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for a very generous 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I'm joined by George and PGA Tour veteran Billy Hurley III. George, let's start with you. What did uh, Cam Smith show you this week down under? I mean, one, I'm I'm fired up for him because uh, he he had talked about being able to get down to Australia and play those tournaments. Um, you know, as part of his calculus for joining Live, and so for him, a to get down there and do it, that's great. But b to then show up and win, and I think he won by three, so that's you know pretty convincing victory down there um i think that's like just a big it's a big win for him and i think it's actually a great win for sort of live and people who are like oh it's not competitive these guys are gonna lose their edge uh no they're they're still very good golfers and they can go down and and win you know real tournaments over 72 holes they don't they don't fade on you know holes 63 to 72 they they keep it together so I think overall it's great for him. I'd love to see how he does in the Australian Open. Uh, I think that's this week coming up. Uh, so that'll be, you know, a good one to see. And um, I I think if nothing else, you know, some of these guys had to think probably long and hard about making that jump to live. And for him, I think this validates in a lot of different ways that he made the right choice. Yeah, this is one of those interesting ones. You saw the Australian contingent of, you know, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Adam Scott, many other Aussies making this making this jump down under to play these few weeks in Australia. But you look at, you know, sort of the the top 20, top 50 guys, you know, this is very much their off season. It is a time for them to to shut it down, to go on vacation, to spend some time with their families. You know, we are seeing guys sort of, you know, dust the uh, the cobwebs off the clubs and, and go to the Hero World Challenge this coming week. But it's a it's a tall order to ask the top players to to head down under. Um, so I'm very curious, like, what's this event going to look like, or what is this series of events going to look like in the coming years? You know, one thing that's to note is it's technically a part of the DP World Tour schedule, and so we've got this upcoming court case in February that could even bar you know guys like Mark Leishman and Cam Smith from even playing in these events next year. It could could set up some uh, some legal fireworks if if those events decide to, you know, separate from the DP world tour or whatever it may be to, to protect their home events. I guess it really comes down to how would, if you don't have status on the DP tour through, you know, the strategic alliance with the PGA tour or anything else, how are you getting into these events? If, if it's a DP event? Yeah, they probably have top 50 in the world clauses or whatever in their eligibility for their, you know, since it's the Australian open, you know, they always have a number of uh, sponsor exemptions and stuff. I mean, I had a sponsor's exemption one year to play. I didn't actually end up going because it, when we looked at the fall schedule, it was kind of like, wait, that's Thanksgiving and whatever. Six, eight are, years ago. Are, so when we hear, I mean, we, we take for granted, like we have obviously the U S open and we have 
you know, the open, but are things like, you know, the French open and some of these other national opens that exist out there, despite the fact they are sort of part of in large, and oftentimes they're part of like the DP, but are they kind of their own governing bodies that sit out and do their own thing so they can basically say, well, no, we, we appreciate your thoughts on this, Keith, but please sit down and Cam Smith will be appearing and playing this. Yeah, they do have some amount of leverage or or input. We'll we'll call it maybe not leverage. They they have some amount of input. You know the the Australian PGA, um, and and that governing body. The you know Canada is the one that 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 I know a lot about. So the RBC Canadian Open has uh, twenty sponsors exemptions for Canadian players. How they award those, I, I don't actually know. I don't know if they have some, you know, qualifying play-in type system that they then award those spots to, or if they just pick the top 20 best Canadian players who aren't otherwise exempt on the PGA Tour um, or what, but but they have 20 spots in the, in the Canadian Open on the PGA Tour schedule. So, I mean, I don't think that the, I think the Australian PGA Australian Open being a part of the DP World Tour is, is new. I don't think it was a part of the European Tour, you know, 15 years ago. I thought I think they were just kind of one-off events, and and so I would just you know now that they're kind of aligning with that, they're trying to get a better field by doing that. They're trying to you know give give points and 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 status so for the the DP World Tour through that. But the, the Australian you know Golf Association is 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 going to maintain some amount of um input into what their field looks like and so yeah it's a really interesting just question is is i would assume they're going to be like you said george cam smith will play period y'all figure out how that works legally yeah this is an interesting one we've talked about you know it has a relatively weak schedule cam smith the odds on favorite the best player in the field from a world ranking standpoint and and goes out and you know does what he does what we might have thought he he would do you know, there were only eight players in the top 117 in the top 300. So of course, this point within this, this event, I should say with the new OWGR point system and the calculus behind that, you know, really rewards the the depth of field, the strength of field, you know, we wanted to just kind of highlight this because we're going to sort of see these comparisons over time and how this, how this changes. Cam Smith got uh, a little over 10 points for winning. It's the equivalent of a top, uh, top, top five. In fact, it's the equivalent of a T4 at the 2021 RSM Classic, just sort of looking at what that is equivalent to. Um, you know, we've got the hero coming up. Um, the the T a T5 at the 2021 Hero World Challenge got 10 points. So the equivalent of finishing first at the and winning the Australian PGA was was you know tied fifth at the uh, at the uh, the Hero last year. Um, it, you know, this is an interesting one, and we talked a little bit about you know what would incentivize guys to make the trek down. It, as I watch this, you know, it's good to watch primetime golf as it's happening down under. It made me think like, why can't we just go in the Southern hemisphere more this time of year? Like, why couldn't the match be played at a, at a different place in primetime? Like you, you could imagine maybe yet next year, the year after the match being at a place like Royal Melbourne might be an awesome way to get some of the top players, you know, give them the incentive to have maybe some of these events like the Australian open, the Australian PGA, but some other some other events, some kind of silly season events where you might drag down, you know, some of these, some of these top five, top 10 guys. 
Yeah, 17 hour flights is what makes that not <laughs> what's going to happen in the world, right? There's 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 a reason that, you know, Tiger and Rory and Jordan and Justin are playing the match in in Florida. You, you, you know, it's just it's easy, right? And and they can show up and it doesn't take a week to play, you know, 12 holes a week's worth of travel and adjustment and time zones and all that stuff to to play a, a 12 hole match or whatever. I, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm with you, Brian. I think that it would be awesome to see the match at Royal Melbourne or, or something like that. Um, you know, but I, I just think the it, it's cost prohibitive to production value, you know, production crews, all all, all that stuff is is going to make that kind of thing thing really really hard. I mean, you know, the 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 Southern Hemisphere. I think I've played one event in the Southern Hemisphere. I played in in Chile on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. And um, it just takes forever to get there. I mean, that's that's the problem, right? I mean, just for for where the uh, you know center of mass is for for competitive golf, it, it takes forever to get there. And and I think that that's kind of what what makes it difficult. Does also, I mean, obviously, the, I understand the flight issue, and I, I kind of think that there's got to be the chance if it could be done. I mean, you've got significant folks down in Australia who kind of love Australian sport. I think of like the Packer family, just say, we're sending you our decked out 747 to load it up with, you know, 15 PGA tour guys, you're traveling in full comfort. You know, we're going to pamper you the whole way. But now looking at how these new rankings work out, I I could understand in the past kind of chasing points towards the end of the year, just making sure you get status and, and get where you need to get. Um, but if you're only getting 10 points for winning, what sounds like a pretty big event. I don't, I don't know how big the, the Australian PGA is, but it's, it seems like one more reason not to go because, you know, I guess the juice isn't really worth the squeeze, even if you win. Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, it was the last episode or the episode before. I think this is one of the unintended consequences of the new world ranking system, and and how the points are awarded. I I, I think that for exactly what you just outlined, George, it, it will be a harder ask for for some of these players. I mean, now con- conversely, you know, maybe only having to beat seventeen in the top three hundred to get a couple of points, kind of. Uh, a la Lucas Hebert, we we can we can maybe pivot pivot to that. You know, of, of guys trying to get in the top fifty in the world um, to to get that Masters invite this time of year. It, maybe maybe that's conversely worth it um, for that. But I but I think if you're a top ten player, it's gonna it's it's gonna hurt your divisor, hurt your ranking. Um, you know, and just not enough points to to prop up your 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 ranking in that way. Yeah, you talked about guys chasing points. I, I've always called him Herbert. I think you pronounced it the correct way, Billy. Uh, he had to WD with a bad back from the Australian PGA this week. He's one of those guys that was sitting number 55 in, in the official world golf rankings, you know, dropped to number 57. It's interesting to look at that game within a game. And we were we were kind of talking uh, prior to hitting record here. You look down the list at guys that are hanging around that sort of 40, 45 to, to 55 or 60 category um, it's interesting to note one guys that are guys that are hanging around that made significant moves in the last year, either upward or downward. You know, I, I would even look at guys like Sahith Thagala, you know, at the end of 2021, 
ranked 381 in the world. And now he sits 43 on the official world golf rankings. And conversely, you'd look at a guy, um, you know, like, like Bryson DeChambeau fifth in the world at the end of 21, he now sits at 57. He will of course still have major invitations from his, from his 2020 U S open victory, but it's, it's crazy to look at some of these relative moves up or down. And you do have this game within a game going on. Uh, they noted in addition to Lucas, uh, Herbert, uh, you've got Adrian Moronk is actually down making the Australian swing right now. Uh, he's trying to move from currently 56th in the world into that coveted top 50 position at the end of the year, because you know, that that's going to come with a master's invite and also invites to the PGA and the open championship. Brian, you said he will have, speaking of he being Bryson DeChambeau will have those exemptions. We don't know that, right? We know nobody's, nobody's made any uh, nods one way or the other, or any indications uh, one, one way or the other on that, other than uh, the RNA said, they're not going to do something to specifically exclude them. So, but the USGA has been silent. The masters hasn't, you know, said anything. The PGA championship has kind of said, we're with the tour. So we'll see how they do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe find out more as, as masters invites should, should trickle out in the next 10 days or, or 14 days, I suppose. Yeah, those should come out. And it's interesting. I, I always thought of them as December invites. I guess, I guess that's because the, the notable events are kind of finished up at the end of this next week. Is that your read Billy that like at the end of maybe the hero and the Australian open, those invites start to roll out. Yeah, that's right. Cause there's no other events that can earn world golf ranking points. So, you know, in, in theory, the ranking can't really change. Um, I suppose it, it can kind of change. So I, so I don't know when they send, um, you know, I got my invite in 2016 after winning in December, but, but I got it from a win, not from a world, a world golf ranking standpoint. So, so, so I don't know if they don't wait for those, you know, to see who's 50th on January, you know, first kind of, kind of thing to, to send those out in early January or, or, or how that, how that works, because you can foresee a, a change in world ranking based on who kind of loses points over the next three weeks of, of just the rolling points in, in a 104 week cycle. But um, appreciably the, the rankings don't, don't change after, you know, the, the hero and, and there's just no other events to earn world ranking points uh, through later December. You know, there's the, you know, silly season stuff, QB shootout and, and PNC, uh, father son thing but you know those don't award world ranking points the australian pga was barely stronger than the joburg open and if you go down to uh, let's see where tommy fleetwood jumped back into the winner's circle at the ned bank the ned bank was almost not quite twice as much but uh were 30 more field rankings and for winning he got 14 uh, points versus Cam's 10. It's, just, it's really interesting to see how these tournaments all <clears throat> rank out. Meanwhile, the RSM, the winner there was awarded 37 points, and it had a value nearly five times. Yeah, this is going to be one that we're going to, I think, just continue to watch. I think um, to some degree, the numbers start to like fly around and they feel irrelevant because it's all about the relative movement within 
within that sort of, you know, top 50, top 100 in the world, those things that matter. Um, but it'll be interesting to, to note with kind of each event in, in the 23 season, you know, what you're seeing from a strength of field and from a depth of field perspective and what the points allocated are across, across the various tours, you know, before we actually hit on uh, the segment that we call great golf debates until we find another name for it. Uh, there was one interesting one that came up in the, in an interview with Rory McIlroy of late, he actually noted that just prior to the open championship in July, um, he and Tiger Woods actually had, I didn't see a, we tested positive, but I saw, you know, had all these symptoms of COVID-19 just prior to the event. The reason I say it's notable, and this is, you know, say what you will about, about protocols. Uh, you know, we were, we were a, a very good, you know, healthy two years into the pandemic. And I think protocols were being relaxed across the world. And notably in the UK, they were probably one of the first to, to relax it. Um, so you could, you could argue protocols and, and whether showing up a few weeks after or a few days after having symptoms makes you a, a bad person or not. But it, it was interesting to hear Rory talk about being under the weather, you know, perhaps not getting the the preparation that he, that he may have wanted at the old course, but still obviously finished really well, you know, People would argue he should have won had he played more aggressive, you know, finish last. I, I thought it was hilarious that he said couldn't really smell anything or taste anything and everything smelled like vinegar. Uh, but but it was a, an interesting one because of, uh, you know, Cam Smith being in the news this week. There's always that constant uh, hum in the background around, you know, what could have been a magical year for Rory had he won the Open Championship. And of course, Cam Smith went out there and, and really took it from him in many ways opinions of Rory have been well documented. So was was part of this sort of in the the Rory like rehistory like wow this was like his flu game and he just didn't quite have it. I, I don't understand even why why this comes out and is newsworthy um at this at this point. Um because you know clearly the you know protocols had all been rolled back um, the organizers of the open championship did not have an insurance policy that was going to give them all the money back from, from it. Like they did the, in 2020 when they decided to cancel. Uh, so I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious when I hear articles like this, that, you know, is it, it's sort of this real time building of the mythology of, of Rory where I'm like, what what's the, what's the point of this? This episode of the Living It Up podcast is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction. For more than 30 years, Zero Restriction has been the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. Check them out at zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at Zero Restriction for their support of the Living It Up podcast. I think the, you know, the article is a, a deeper dive with with Rory that this was pulled out of by a uh, British journalist, I think, um, who's who's had some deep access to Rory over the years. And I think it was just kind of a, a relaxed sit down kind of thing. It's a, it's quite a long article in total uh, about Rory. Um, but I, I think the point of the article was actually like Rory saying, holy cow, I just gave Tiger Woods COVID. Right. That, that was actually the point. Right. Uh, OK. Now, now, I don't know. Now, I don't know who gave it to Rory. Maybe it was J.P. McManus's uh, pilots because they took his helicopter from uh, into Bally Bunyan to play is, is, is how the, the story in the article kind of goes. So um, I don't you know who, who gave it to Rory or how how they contracted it or, or, or whatever. But but the, the 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 telling of it from Rory was, holy cow, I gave Tiger Woods 
COVID. That's a, that's bad, you know? Um, <laughs> but so yeah, why, why is it newsworthy now? I, I think, you know, it's just cause there was a deep sit down with Rory and this was one of the stories that came out and Hey, they got all three of us to click on it, you know, in the internet of, of things. So clickbait indeed well we're going to talk a little bit about what something i would argue is often clickbait on twitter which are these great golf debates these things happen all the time and one of the things that that pops off is people that are at or around scratch golfers um will often contend that you know oh if if i had if i could play my my best ball so think of a two ball scramble right i go out and i hit two drives i choose my best one from there i hit two approach shots i choose my best one i hit two putts and i get to choose my best one and the argument goes, if I could play a two ball scramble and I'm I'm a scratch golfer, I could not only, you know, make the cut, but I could contend I could win on tour. I'll start this great golf debate by saying, I think that most scratch golfers, I'll, I'll walk back this comment for those scratch golfers that maybe play at like top 100 tracks. I think most scratch golfers are not used to the length. They're not used to the firmness of the greens. They're not used to the speed of the greens. They're not used to having anything the equivalent of like tour level rough or like conditions that make scoring difficult. And I think those type of scratch golfers, I'd give them three balls, maybe even four. And I just think that they would not be able to contend as soon as they went offline, right? As soon as you set them up on a 480 yard par, par four, like I can give them a couple drives, maybe three or four drives. And they're, they're maybe going to put it in the fairway and they're still going to have a, a long shot in. Maybe they're in the rough, and at that point, double, maybe triple bogey is on the table. So I tend to believe that this thing hinges on the type of scratch golfer you are, right? Are you a scratch golfer at a, at a tested golf course that's got some length? Or are you the type of guy that can play under you know, tournament-style conditions, whether that's the firmness or the speed of greens? But I tend to believe that you're not making the cut. Like I, I think you'll shoot at or around par, but most of the cuts these days fall in the two, three, four under, uh, you know, sort of place on the on the PGA Tour week in and week out. Billy, you can uh, you can help us on this one, and then I'll let George chime in. But I'll I'll give the mic to you, Billy, on this one. Yeah, I think you're right, Brian. It, it kind of depends on the scratch golfer that you are. Um, I, I think that at certain spots, maybe you could make the cut. There's no chance you could win the golf tournament. Okay, there's just no chance you could win the golf tournament. I will play with. Um, you know, scratch golfers, friends of mine, and with all due respect to scratch golfers and good players, they're clueless on the golf course. I mean, I, I will I will go out and play with friends who are who are scratch and and kind of the the things that they're thinking about, the things that they're saying, the shots that they hit make no sense whatsoever to a tour professional. Okay, and and. And, don't, and obviously, if you're a scratch golfer, you are a very good golfer. But this is just telling you how much better tour players are. Okay, tour players are like plus sixes, plus sevens. The guy who wins is like a plus 10 that week. Okay, so this is not, um, you know, maybe if we if we came and played the tournament on your home golf course and we gave you a two ball scramble, you could, you know, finish in the middle of the pack. But if you're coming out to play tour condition, to your point, Brian, you, you've never seen greens that firm. You've never seen greens that fast. And, and it's a different ball game. And, and I, I say this all the time, that the golf course that we play week in and week out on the PGA Tour is a golf course that does not exist in the world. Okay, because it is that condition one week. 
and then all 51 other weeks it's not in that condition the rough's not that high the greens aren't that fast the the fairways aren't that tight the collars aren't that tight you know the greens aren't that firm et cetera et cetera so um it, it's a it's a different game on the pga tour and so you know if we went to a soft place where um you know an easier golf course on, on the schedule uh, john deere comes to mind as one where maybe if i gave you two balls you know best ball scramble you could you could make the cut but the cut's still five under so i, I mean it's it's not not that simple but but the but the, the scoring's a little bit easier so you're you, you know probably not going to make doubles and, and and that kind of thing but 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 tour golf is, is is just another level and scratch golfers don't compare to it yeah i i think i would just go a hundred percent hard no it wouldn't matter where you did it and and billy pointed out two things one obviously you go to a, a tournament course that they're playing an event at it is dialed to 11 um and which means like 14 and a half on the stint meter or whatever like i mean it is just insane conversely if the tour comes to your home course where you're a scratch golfer these guys are shooting 60 I mean, we've seen what Tony Finau has gone out and done on some courses that he just shows up to and, you know, leisurely 58 that could have been better. Um, it's, I think it's insane to think that any one golfer, <clears throat> a scratch golfer getting two, two shots at every shot is going to somehow contend or win. Um, it's just that's not going to happen. So I, I think that is, that is again, one of these ones where you hear it and you're like, well, I mean, I guess you think you could, but I mean, I've seen it. Everyone's done it. You, you miss a putt, call like a six, eight foot putt. And you're like, ah, oh, I know it's just an inch to the right. And like, and you re-putt it and then you miss an inch to the right, to the left. I mean, it's just like, it wasn't going to go in. You're not going to make that putt. It's a good try by you, but it's just not going to happen. So I don't think, I think that this is again, these people who, clearly are are deluded who think they are way better than they really are um and you know i we we all three of us played last week and like getting to watch billy play against you and me at our home course you know i was describing it to somebody and in watching it happen like billy played i think one under with his brother's clubs and not really even intending to play and and I described it to somebody. I was like, he did every single thing right. Uh, it was in like as a golf, you recognize it. Never miss the face. Never. Everything was the same tempo. Everything was the same speed. And I think six shots were you know ball was within five feet of the hole. I mean, it was just like, oh, this is the difference. Like this is what a PGA Tour pro is versus a scratch golfer who's going to have. Send two or three over the planet, but he's going to scramble, save par, move on. And I don't think Billy was out of position by more than five yards all day. Yeah, I'll give one anecdote. It was funny because Billy turned to me and, and we weren't really doing like a great golf debate, but he was sort of saying like, this this is why people underestimate. And we were on a hole where we all actually hit pretty good drives. It's a 480 yard par four, probably the, one of the tougher holes we played that day. And we're all sitting there about, you know, 195 to, to 205 out and George and I make unceremoniously you know, doubles or bogeys and Billy just makes the the comfiest par you can make because he hits it to the perfect perfect part of the green and you know we we try to go at that flag and my par putt did barely miss I did take five after a 
very humiliating attempt at the green. Uh, but I do want to note it. I did not make a double. Yeah, I, I did three putt for double there. Um, it, one thing I'll say, and, and I think this is a really good point that that you both made, is that those courses that you're playing on the PG Tour bill are not rated. Like, yes, they carry ratings for week in and week out play, but when they dial it up to 11, those aren't rated. And so what this what this throws this great golf debate into is a place where like statistically, I can't just like make the math work. There's a lot of people on 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 Twitter that would say, well, you know, let's do the math and let's do this. But it's like, no, I, I can't actually take Arcos data and prove it one way or the other. And this leads me to my my point around this. I actually think that whether it's live or someone who is, you know, thinking about innovative ways to draw eyeballs to the PJ tour ought to be thinking about how you get these great golf debates out, out there, whether it's like in a practice round or the day after the event, or I've argued during a live event when they've got, you know, a shotgun start and they've got time before or after the round or in an unobtrusive way during the round, like let's put some of this stuff to the test. Let's actually get some guys out here. And, and the one that I've called out that I think would be the most ironic and hilarious of all the watch is every week without fail, somebody knocks the LPGA tour. They say like, Oh, I'm a two handicap and I would definitely win on the LPGA tour. And it is the most boneheaded argument of all time. But I wish that the LPGA would call those guys out on the spot and say, okay, tough guy, you have an exemption next week. Let's see you peg it. Yeah. I think that'd be great. I, I and I think to your point, if, if they let him go play, you know, first group out on, thursday morning or something so they're not really in the way you know send them out with a marker they'd or totally something. be in the way because they wouldn't finish in five and a half hours are you kidding me george you have well, to play okay. last and be done at dark because you're still going to be out there uh well okay i get I, whatever it would be somehow so they could do it because you're right i think they would be humbled and come in you know maybe if they played really well like fingers crossed they're going to break 80 um, because again, green speeds and everything else. Uh, now the one thing I would say, and I think if you look at most LPGA setups where, you know, a, a scratch golfer could be more relevant is the distance issue. Cause I think a lot of P LPGA courses set up 67, 6,800 yards. I don't think they're, you know, they're not 7,200. Um, so in, in that regard, you are going to have a good player that if they wanted to just totally course manage it and not even try to just bomb away, but, you know, totally course manage three woods hybrids off the tee, you know, 240 out with a wedge in they, they could be, you know, respectable, but definitely not competitive. Yeah. I agree with you there. It, it's one of those ones where it, it, we've talked about this, Billy, it's, it's almost like the, the ad, old adage of like, there's a lot of players that have the shots, but can they use like the discipline to, to actually execute those shots? I think what you're describing, George, is like a player that would have the absolute discipline and a tour caddy on his bag to actually pull off that. And, and I agree with you. I, I still think they'd shoot something at or, or over par and they wouldn't be contending and maybe not even making the cut. Um, so we, we've talked about this one being a, a relatively slow period in the game of golf. Coming up, as we look to the schedule, we've got this interesting one where we've got the Australian Open. Uh, down under and also the hero world challenge 20 players may end up being 19 players because breaking 19 news players 19 players tiger woods who was set to uh begin the the month of tiger woods down in the bahamas 
Uh, he's actually withdrawn with plantar fasciitis in his foot, which is going to make it difficult for him to walk. Hashtag take a cart. Uh, I don't think anyone would care if he took a golf cart to this event. It is a silly season event. There are world ranking points up for grabs, but he could probably petition the tournament committee, which is him, and he would grant himself a cart. And I think the world of golf would, would rather watch Tiger take a cart than not play at all. But he's decided he's not going to take a cart, except if it's a really silly season event like the match or the PNC. Uh, so we will not see Tiger teed up in the Bahamas. Uh, we will see him the following week play 12 holes in the match with Rory as his partner versus JT and Jordan Spieth on the other side. Uh, and then he will play the PNC with his son, Charlie, the following week. So it'll be partially the month of Tiger. Um, I'll pass it to you guys. Give me uh, your thoughts on on Tiger withdrawing. And also now, who is your uh, who is your winner that you predict at the, at the Hero World Challenge? I mean, I'll, I think the first thing that comes to mind when I hear Tiger's out of this, and it's with plantar fasciitis, and he says it's like we developed it in his preparation, getting ready. To me, more than anything that really speaks to the fact that like we are not going to see tiger in any meaningful way play competitive golf in 23 um one plantar fasciitis you know it's sort of one of those chronic things it's super hard to shake once you get it um because you really almost have to rest for a few weeks of zero use you're like walking boot kind of stuff and if he's I mean, I can't imagine he is grinding and getting ready for the Hero World Challenge the same way he'd be grinding and getting ready for, say, the Masters in April. And so if if that's developing now, um, I I just can't imagine. I mean, I hope you see him at Augusta just because, I mean, he could play that blindfolded and still probably be pretty competitive. Um, but, I mean, I can't imagine him hoofing it around a U.S. Open course. Can't imagine him doing the same thing at a PGA um, I'm not sure where the, I haven't looked to see where the open is in the road of this year, but you know, that's super hard soil, not the easiest for walking on with his lower body issues. So I just got to think like this really bodes worse for 23 than it does for anything else we were hoping to see this month. Yeah, I think you're right, George. I mean, I think it's, 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 I think it shows you actually a little bit of how hard it is to compete week in and week out on the PGA tour, the, the, the toll that that takes on a, on, on your body walking. And, and that's, you know, plantar fasciitis sounds like something that he developed trying to walk more, right. He's probably been practicing mostly in carts and all that stuff. And now he really, he's, he's going to walk some and, 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 and do some more of that. There's a lot of sandy areas uh, at, at Albany there that you kind of have to walk through from tees to fairways and, and, and that that kind of thing so a little harder on the ankle and, and knee stability and so obviously his you know right leg is is you know his his foot's going to take more of of the brunt of of that type of stress than than would maybe other joints in in the rebuilding of his right leg so it it does not bode well for the future I mean I, I think that that's that's true I mean there's a there, there, there's a half cynical part of me that just wonders if he knew he was going to finish last and, you know, he, he really wasn't playing well and, and, and kind of just, you know, figures let's not embarrass this thing and, 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 and shoot 76 every day or, or, or whatever. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Right. But that, I think that that does go into some of the calculus. If you're, if, if you're doing this as, as tiger, um, you, you certainly don't want to put up numbers that are, you know, that damaging to your 
ego and and into your you know just just kind of psyche going forward and 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 that kind of thing so but it's 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 not good um you know that not not good for the the future of of what you know we we all hope would be tiger woods playing competitive golf um and and it kind of just goes to to more to what he has said is you're not going to see him play a, a full schedule or anything really you know meaningful worth of a, a 10 12 events a year or anything like that right it's a struggle for him to get to to one event or two events a year so um it's it's certainly disappointing that we, that we won't get to see him kind of you know play against the, the some of the top 50 in the world and um th- this this week and kind of kind of see where he is because he 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 still is a great golfer. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, just a matter of his his body holding up for for seventy two holes and, and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can I can say if if I were to walk eighteen, I would be miserably stiff for at least a day after, and I haven't had nearly the car accidents that he's had. So um, I can feel for him. I mean, he's getting old. You know, us us in the almost senior set here. Uh, it's 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 tough scene uh, trying to string together good golf day after day. Um, but he, I heard he is still going to host. That's correct. Yeah, he will be there, and we will see we will see him. You know, congratulating the winner I, um, on on the last hole. And, and I'll give you since we talked about winners, a guy that has stressed uh, how how old he feels, but a guy that's gone through a lot of perspective change in the last week or so, and that is young Colin Morikawa, only twenty five years old, just got married. I think the the burden of wedding preparation is now off his shoulders. He's now just a married man that lightens the load. He's he's. I, I think he goes out there and, and he wins it. What say you guys? Who who will carry the like globe and a tiger looking crazy title at the Hero World Challenge? I like Sam Burns this week. I think you know, kind of a, a strong hitter of the golf ball. Windy Bahamas gets it done. Um, Victor Victor Hovland's the defending champ, correct? Why not? Why not get a repeat? Yeah, Victor Hovland is in the field. Notables that are, you know, top players that are not in the field: Rory McIlroy, uh, obviously Cam Smith, uh, and Patrick Cantlay. Other than that, you've got basically the top twenty in the world, twenty-five in the world, uh, essentially that are there. Uh, so it does promise to be an interesting watch when you've got, you know, the top twenty, twenty-five guys in the world competing uh, during the day, and then in the evening you get to throw on uh, golf down under. So. Should be a, a fun way to wrap up the, the season that was the calendar year of 2022. And I will see you guys this time. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.